At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to His followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as He marks out the way of discipleship for us. small tractor rides that could fit one kid in, uh, in, one of the, in one of the trailers. And so we just had a great time. And one thing I remember always on the drive up was when going to Huber's farm, they also had a winery. So they produced their own local wine, would distribute it all over that region. But when we would go in October... All the vines, all the vineyards, everything was trimmed, everything was pruned, and and you could tell that they had just taken the fruit from the vineyard to produce, to sell. And so in thinking about that, and thinking through the idea of a vineyard, this was actually an image in the Word of God, specifically the Old Testament. It It was about... Uh, uh, Israel, ancient Israel, the temple, it was an emblem that was very familiar to them. When you think about the vineyard or a grapevine, I mean, they had a gold-plated grapevine on the door of the temple. I mean, to them, the grapevine was to us like stars and stripes, it was something that they were used to. I think about Isaiah 5, 7. It says, For the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And so this grapevine, it was a symbol of national life. The emblem appeared on coins in the Maccabean period, and it was something that had great prevalence in the temple. And so as we dig in the Word today, we're going to be in John chapter 15. You guys can turn to that. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through verse 11. And this is all about that image of what it looks like to be a true disciple. You know, so many people say, am I a disciple of the Lord? Am I really a disciple of Jesus? Am I that person that is truly following after the Father. And in here, it helps display for us what it is that makes a true disciple and how we understand it. And the statement I want us to have plastered on our mind, plastered in our soul, is disciples of Jesus produce fruitful lives. Disciples of Jesus Produce fruitful lives. Because God desires for his creation, for his people, to be fruitful. He desires for us, as we grow, to bear fruit for the kingdom. You look at John 15, 8 as we jump ahead. It says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. You know, for Jesus, if you are a disciple, you will bear much fruit, and it is part of what it means to follow him. 
but, but what does it even mean? What does it even mean by the idea of, of, of bearing fruit? What exactly is he looking for? And further, how do I produce the fruit that Jesus is looking for in my life? And to answer that, we're going to unpack this piece of scripture. And Jesus calls us to two simple actions that can help us have fruitful lives. And the first one is this. Recognize your purpose. You want to have a fruitful life for Christ. You have to recognize what your purpose is. You look at John 15, 1 through 3, and this is what it says. Let's throw that up there for us to read as well. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And, and, and I love this image, this metaphor, and it gives us these three distinct people and figures in the story. You have the vine, you have the branches, and you have the vine dresser. And early on, Jesus says, hey, I am the vine. I am the one that is attached to the roots and the father and the vine dresser. The, and many of you, you even hear the word farmer. And when he says, I am the vine, this is the last of his I am statements in the Gospels. And those I am statements are so pivotal because they give us an image and a picture of who Jesus is. Remember, the vine was a very important national emblem to this, to this people. So when Jesus says, I am the vine, that's a big deal. That's him declaring the mutuality with him and the Father. And in this, he is showing something that's been stated way back in the Old Testament, all over the Bible, that God desires for us to be fruitful. Think about how God commanded Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And then God gave Noah the same command three times in Genesis 9. And then you have Abraham, the promise that he'll bless him and make him a great nation. And so when we see Jesus say this, I am the vine, it almost unites him yet again with the Father. And the Father is the, as the vine dresser, the one working through pruning, helping, supporting the vineyard. So when I think of this, I think about the image, the branches. We are the branches. We are the branches. So often we get mixed up. We think that we're the vine. No, we are the branches that are attached to the vine. And Jesus' point is clear. Branches exist for one reason, to bear fruit. Let me talk about my yard for a second. <laughs> so if you drove up to my home and you looked at the many characteristics of my house, one of the first things that you'd realize is my lawn. 
what you'd realize is my lawn, the color is just a slightly better than brown. But I'd have a little tint of green. You say, man, that guy, his lawn isn't looking the best. But to make matters worse, to my right and to my left are people that take care of their lawn immaculately. One of them has professional landscapers that come and spray and trim. I don't know if I've ever seen him in his lawn. He has professionals coming every week to take care of it. And, and the other one to my left, he just has too much time on his hand. And so you have beautiful lush green, uh, brown with maybe a little green, and then beautiful lush green. So it emphasizes the unhealth of my lawn. So based on this careful examination, you would determine, man, he needs, he needs to give a little more water. You know, maybe he needs to put some fertilizer down. Maybe he needs to get those kids and they just need to rake things up and, you know, kind of create a new flow of the, of the soil. And so I want you to think about this. Imagine if your lawn was an image of how healthy you are with Christ. If our lives were a shade of a lawn, what shade would we give ourselves? Would we be lush green, flourishing, thick? Or would we be that nasty brown or dust? You know, with fruit and bearing and growth, it all has to do with the connection to the vine. Everything in this, the health of us has to do with the connection to Jesus. So some claim to be in the vine, but the absence of fruit reveals the real state of their soul. So if there is no fruit in our life, we better reconsider the authenticity of our faith. Because the fruit shows if we're truly connected to the vine. Now some people think, okay, well what is fruit? Some people will, will just say, okay, the fruit is just me bringing people to, to be Christians or, or bringing them to church or, or making it a point to invest in my community. Those are, those are parts of it. But, but when we see what fruit is, it is simply the reproduction of the life of the vine in the branch. Jesus is looking for the fruit of his life in us. It is that inward grace of the Holy Spirit that is present in our life. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Not perfect, but present in our life. It, the fruit that we experience, it, it's our Christ-likeness. And if we are the branches, then Jesus' point again is clear. We exist to produce fruit. 
That's our purpose, our role, and the great mission that, that Christ has given us. But then there's something in this piece of scripture that's very challenging. That nobody likes here. The pruning. In order for someone to bear fruit, to flourish in their walk with Christ, they need the knife. In order for someone to be the most fruitful in their souls, with their families, in their communities, at the workplace, they need the knife. And the knife comes with pain. The knife is really difficult. Some of you right now are walking through something that probably is the knife. Now you think about the knife. Sometimes the knife, it's our sin. <laughs> Sometimes it's self-inflicted because we are walking in a way that is not honoring to God and we need to repent of that sin in our life. And because of that sin, there's consequence and there's trial and there's issues and God disciplines those whom he loves. So sometimes the knife is us. But sometimes the knife is there because we're healthy. Sometimes the knife is present in our life actually because we're growing and we're flourishing. And God wants to prune you so you can only produce more. So you can only have a greater bounty. I love how David said it. David knew this. He said in Psalm 119.67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. You know, our health is directly proportionate to our pruning. A grapevine will never produce anywhere near its potential without being cut. Human nature, we don't want the knife. We don't want the trial. Often we as Christians, we fall into the when syndrome. You know, when, when I overcome this, my life will be so much better. When I get married, I won't struggle with that anymore. But in those moments, in the severest cutting, is when God is closest to us. Think about this. God as the farmer... And he's trimming the branches. When he trims back the branches, guess what's left? The vine. So when he trims back the areas of our life, Christ is more present than ever. So it's less of us and more of him. And so when he cuts those things in our life, we are the image of Christ even more.
Now, I know that can feel a little overwhelming. <laughs> and our natural question is, how do I even begin to get to that point or do that? How is it even possible for me with the things I battle, with the sins I have, how can I be fruitful for Christ? And that's where the next piece of scripture comes in. Verses 4 through 11. Remain in Christ. How do you be fruitful? Remain in Christ. Abide in him. The way you do it is not by your own strength, work harder, do more. It is to abide in him. Let's look at the first couple verses of that section. Verses 4 through 6. This is what it says. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in them, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire, and they're burned. And so here he gives us this clear command. How do we do that? How do we get to that point? How do we bear fruit? How do we cut those branches out of our, out of our life? We abide in him. You know, I think about marriage, and, and actually we just had a wedding in here yesterday, right? So they transformed this room and we celebrated the union of marriage. It was amazing. And marriage is something that is, as many of you know, and, and someone said it uh, yesterday and I was laughing, it, it could be a walk in the park or it can be a walk in Jurassic Park. So I thought that was very comical. And uh, it could be hard. A lot of us know that. And so when you get married, there's this union, right? And just when you go and you file uh, you go to the sec sec uh, Social Security, and, and you, or Secretary of State, you actually are legally married. So with them, you've made that commitment. I'm married to you, I'm committed to you, but unless you pursue that person, you're not abiding in that relationship. You see what I'm saying? You could be married on paper, but not pursue what it looks like to have a healthy marriage. And so some of us, we've made that commitment. We, we've said, hey, Christ, I'm all in. We've been baptized and we've committed our lives to him. But unless we continue to pursue and invest, then we'll struggle to abide. I love the illustration, the image of a tree. Think of your favorite fruit tree, you know, apples, oranges, whatever. And in order for the tree to be healthy, it needs to go deep into the ground and, and find the nutrients of the soil before it can have a good produce. So we must have deep roots in Christ in order to produce in our lives. And so in order to abide, in order to remain in him, the next four or five verses give us the way that we can remain. This is how we can abide. In verse 7 through 8, it says, through the word and through prayer. If you abide in me 
and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The first place that Jesus points us to abide is the word. The first place he points us to reproduce a life that is fruitful is to abide in his word. And then he segues into prayer. Let me think about it this way. Imagine you were invited to act in a play. So you're acting in this play, and they give you the script, and then when you go to act in the play, you ain't studied the script. So you get up there, and you look out at the crowd, and you look at the people in the play, and you look at the directors, and you have not done your time working through the script. You're going to be looking pretty silly, right? <laughs> you're going to be confused. You're going to be embarrassed. What you're going to do is you're going to study that script. You're going to saturate yourself in that script. You're going to know it front to back because you want to know when to speak, how to speak, when your time comes, right? And so I think about us in the Word. we got to saturate ourselves in the Word. We want to abide in Him. We want to remain in Him. We want to grow deeper with Him. Then we will have to be in the word. We're going to have to saturate ourselves so deeply in the word that it becomes our even our thoughts. And I think about the idea of studying the word. And I know some people, we, we struggle to pray or some of us, we struggle to read. But regardless, our natural leanings, we have to be in our word. We got to study the word. If we want to remain in him, if we want to bear fruit, we have to be students of the word. Spending time in it. Having people that keep us accountable in it. we got to be people who talk to the Father. we got to be people that pray, and it's part of our, our normal rhythms of our week, is to pray and read. That's why we always talk about getting a life group. Because we see the value of people who get in a life group, people who, who end up joining a group, their study of the word, their, their growth in prayer, their growth in community, even their growth in consistency, it goes up astronomically because they're not doing it alone. So get in a group so you can grow in the word, so you can remain and abide, even classes. We got some phenomenal classes here. Some of you are in some of those classes. Some of, them, some of you teach those classes. We have amazing classes that you can dig in the Word. Join a class so you can know and understand the Word more deeply. And then prayer meetings. We have meetings where people come together and we pray. We offer prayer every, every single weekend after our service. We have people at our connection desk who are there to pray for you. Join with people in prayer. And as we encounter God's word and develop a life of prayer, it will lead us to the next way we can abide in Jesus, and that is through love and obedience. 
Look at verse 9 through 11. This is what it says. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus begins by reminding them that he loves them the same way the Father loves them. That's an amazing thing when you stop and you, you think about how Jesus loves you. He deeply loves you, and he wants to produce fruit in your life. He wants to give you joy. Some of you, you're walking through the week, through the days, and there is not much joy. It burdens my heart how many people walk with deep anxiety, with deep depressive thoughts, with burden. They're captive and crippled by the anxieties of life. And he says, I want to give you peace. I want to set you free from this. You know, growing up, uh, I grew up in a small church just outside Ann Arbor. And we used to sing hymns. And there was this beautiful hymn we would sing. And we'd sing it mainly in the, in the kids' ministry. And it was called Trust and Obey. I'm going to get my vibrato out. Trust and obey. My way <laughs> to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Matt, give me a chance, bro. I'll show. <laughs> Just give me a chance. I won't let you down. <laughs> when I heard that as a child growing up, I used to think, you know, it's all about he just wants to make me follow a bunch of rules and I got to trust him. But when I was captivated by his love, he died for me. <laughs> he was willing to give everything for me. It helped me understand why he said, trust me. That he doesn't want to be a killjoy. He doesn't want to rob joy. He wants to amplify it. He wants to set us free. I love how 2 Corinthians says it. For this light, momentary afflictions is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Some of us, we do walk through moments in our life where it is hard to abide. It is hard to remain. The world's tugging at us. Sin is knocking at the door and trying to pull us away from the Father. There's so many things that just keep noise in our life. To slow down and abide and remain in the vine is a challenge in itself. Some of us, we're walking through the pruning stage. Maybe you're here because you know I'm walking as a testament of someone who has the knife who have things cut up. 
No matter where we are, I want to invite you. Jesus loves you. He is there for you. He died for you. And he would love nothing more than to have a relationship with you. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.